All qualified teams for the round of 16 in the Qatar World Cup have been confirmed. South Korea secured its spot with their resilience, while Uruguay were only one goal away from there. Brazil almost fell to second in Group H if they had conceded one more goal, or Switzerland had scored another goal. Welcome back to CGTN Sports Talk. I am Li Xiang, and I'm glad to be joined by my colleague Josh here. Great to be back. Hey, so last night, finally, I think it's both excitement and celebration for South Korea and salvation for Sun Heung-min. Yeah, yesterday was. Yeah, I, I think that's it. Not just that, but I feel like you know, we've, a, a storyline we've kind of been talking throughout this tournament is. Mm-hmm. How kind of the major poles of world football seem to be changing slightly. Yeah. Talk about like the rise of Asian football. When you see South Korea not just win against Portugal, but mm. like for most of the game compete, mm. sometimes be better, play like a more cohesive unit than Portugal are, this is a far, far cry from what Korea used to be. I mean, we've talked about this a million times. Their game against Italy in 2002 mm. is still makes me mad thinking about it. Me too. Whereas this is this Korea side, it's smart. Mm. They know exactly where to place the ball. They don't give up. They're agile moving forward. Like, I don't think they are in dark horse territory. No. But they are good enough to compete with guys who are teams who are considered favourites or thereabouts, as we saw Portugal. Um, Ronaldo was useless in this game, uh, as far as I can tell. Korea. Yeah, exactly. He, he basically played on uh, Yongguang Kim for that first goal. Mm-hmm. And from there, it was just... He just seems to get in the way. Like Over the course of three games, it's really come to look like he is now trying so hard to prove himself that he's stepping on everyone else's toes. Admittedly, this is a second-string team because they were already on their way through. No uh, Rafael Liao, no Bernardo Silva, no Bruno Fernandes. Why he played, it's simply just to rack up goals, rack up stats. And in doing so, he got in the way and just basically cost the game for his team, I'd be willing to say. Mm -hmm. On the other side of things... That goal in the 92nd minute, I think mm-hmm. it was, yeah. with Son Heung-min's sprint down the pitch, you know, that's one of those things where you see sometimes with these smaller teams just how much it means to play for their country, to represent their country. And that was like, okay, I have 60 seconds to win for me, win for my team, win for my country. And the sprint he went on, he had so much to do. It was arguably more difficult than Matthew Leckie's goal for Australia because he was only being closed down by one defender of Denmark. This was like Portugal was just swarming on him. He still had the presence of mind to stop, take a look up, thread the ball through, and then Huang Hee Chan cut the defensive line perfectly and scored. Like That was a textbook performance from South Korea. Yes, like I say, second-string Portugal side, but it was the best they could have done. Mm. I heard that Song was under a lot of criticism from his own country after the first two scoreless games. I mm. believe it's a kind of unfair because he's the best guy on the field of his team and he didn't really get enough support from them. Also, the moment when Huang was sent to the field, you could see things were different because this is the pair that South Korea has maybe been planning for and has mm. been planning to count on. So... 
if they can start one or give him longer time in the future games, I think we can see a difference on, on the field. Yeah, definitely. Like, I'd say part of the rise of Korea on the national stage, right now I think they are directly in between being a legitimate side in the sense of they have 11 great players who make a full, genuine international squad and being one of those teams where a talisman, a superstar, carries them through. He is both a very versatile player on the wings, but he's also expected to score goals. And in a World Cup like this, especially with him still being injured, I know he's wearing a mask, but we've seen plenty of times before when, like, say, Fernando Torres wore the mask, things like that, you still take a knock. You're not, like, completely protected. So even though he's not completely healthy and they expect him to do everything, he's still putting on great performances. And hopefully, like we said, because the players on the score sheet, everyone got involved, everyone had a great game. Hopefully the pressure comes off him ever so slightly. Mm -hmm. In the other game, when um, actually it was during the last probably 10 minutes, I saw Luis Suarez sitting on the bench with mm. half of his face covered in by the jersey. Until the end, he didn't really change how he looked. It was such a sad comparison compared with what happened 12 years ago when Uruguay knocked out Ghana via penalty shootout. But this time, there was no miracle. All they missed yeah. one go. Yeah, this is, I would say, by far the most heartbreaking of the games so far because this is the game where, like, I, I'd say basically until it got confirmed they weren't going through, mm. it was the game where I suddenly felt vindicated for picking them as my dark horse because it felt like they'd finally figured out here's how we play the young guys and the old guys together. Um, the second goal in particular, where Suarez doesn't have the legs, but he got played in, and then he knew exactly where to knock the ball. So Jujun uh, Day, Arasqueta to get on the end of it. And that, to me, felt like, for De Arasqueta, felt like the breakout performance so far of the tournament, in the sense of one of my favourite things about the World Cup is seeing a player I've never heard of before suddenly be thrust into my imagination, be it James Rodriguez in 2010, Keylor Navas in 2014, Benjamin Pavar in Russia. I feel like Georgian De Arasqueta would be that guy, but now he's got no more games to play, and I hope this was enough to get him a move to a bigger club, whatever it is he wants, because he was the star of the show for that side. And I also feel like coming away from him, this is the last tournament for Suarez, for Cavani, um, probably for Raul Jimenez, for mm -hmm. a lot of this team. But I look at the younger players that they have, Darwin Nunes, Ben Tancur, uh, Maxi Gomez, and I feel like the future is bright for this Uruguay team, mm -hmm. but for them to go out like this was heartbreaking. The look on Suarez's face was, it's not, it's not nice to see. No, it was one of those moments. It was classic, but it was something that was painfully memorable. Mm. In Group G, uh, Brazil, they also, like Portugal, sent not their best squad to the field, and they lost to Cameroon, but unlike Portugal, who really didn't have anything to worry about leading the group. Brazil, if they uh, conceded one more goal, they could fall to number two and face Portugal in the round of 16. So does this calculation almost backfire? Yeah, I, I like when I was watching it, I felt like Brazil had forgotten, particularly in the second half where it was just like 
They were so high up the pitch. They were pressing so hard. And then Vincent Abubakar gets that goal in the Mm -hmm. 90th minute, takes off his shirt, gets a red card. And that was when I think I realized, like, oh, Cameroon have forgotten as well because they needed one more goal. Yeah. That would have knocked, that would have sent Brazil down to second place. Abu Abu Bakr celebrates by taking his shirt off, doesn't think about getting the ball back into play. Yeah. And while you can think to yourself, like, okay, he scored against Brazil in the World Cup, this is a magic moment. Like, none of, like, Chupa Moteng didn't go and get the ball back. Mm-hmm. Rigobert Song didn't tell guys to do it. I feel like they, in the moment, had forgotten there was so much more at play. Mm. And based on what we've seen in this tournament, where teams are conceding two back-to-back a lot of times when they get caught on the break, and with how much time was left on the clock, I think it was still, like, six minutes. Mm. They probably could have, well, I like to think they could have tried to get something, and instead they just let it go. Um, which I think ends up being a good lesson for Brazil because now they've learned we can't afford to do this. We need to, if we are going to press, at least keep our centre-backs right on the edge of the box, at least do something to make sure that we don't get caught out on the break because that could very easily happen. Um, As for Brazil themselves, they were solid, Mm -hmm. but you could see very much that this was a game where they had six points, they knew they were through, Yes, if they would have lost, they would have moved down to second place, but that's still qualification. So they were just kind of testing out their second string players, trying things out. And even so, that connection they have on the right wing between Anthony and Gabriel Jesus, fantastic, world-class. That could easily be enough if they need it later on. If they're struggling to move the ball, bring on Anthony. He will get the ball around for you. Rodrigo in... Midfield, again, a lot of energy, a lot of pace, a lot of talent there. Um, they seem to be missing a bit of quality up front with Gab Martinelli. But again, I suspect that lack of quality would have gone away had they needed to win, had they needed to get a goal. Instead, they were just kind of playing, wouldn't go as far as saying a testimonial, wouldn't go as far as saying a friendly. But you could see one way of playing mm-hmm. was, let's just link up between our players, see how it goes going the other way was we're doing everything we can to score a goal. Yeah. For Switzerland, which scored very early in the second half to uh, lead again 3-2-2, do you think their manager told them that, okay, if we score one more goal, we have a good chance to beat Brazil to lead this group and meet maybe a relatively easier opponent like South Korea, but it didn't uh, produce anything in the rest of the game? I, 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 I don't know with this game because this has become... Probably the most fracturous, maybe mm-hmm. most dangerous tie in international football. So if you remember last time they played, I think it was last time anyway, yeah. when Shakiri and Shaka scored, they did that celebration where like they put their thumbs together and made like an eagle with their hands. Mm-hmm. How players like Mbolo didn't end up with a red card, how um Shaka didn't get up with a red card, how So didn't end up with a red card, I have no idea. Kanji also was basically in everyone's face. It's like they are somehow the most controversial team in this tournament so far. Could be. To, in, during the group games, I understand why teams make certain decisions like sending their uh, second string to the field, like calculating who we want to face and who we don't want to face in the knockout stage. But that's still too complicated. I understand it's a part mm. of modern industrialized business football 
But still, it's shouldn't football be more pure? And I'm glad to see that football will be more more pure from the round of 16. And tonight, the Netherlands are playing USA. Also, Argentina are playing Australia. Any chance I, of upsetting? Yeah, that's the thing. I look at these games and I see. I feel like both of these games are trap games because USA and Australia together, both of them have this real. Like, we'll just try our best, Friday Night Lights, we'll give it our all. Mm-hmm. And Australia have been counted out a million times. In the last five games, they've won four of them. They feel like they are not necessarily untouchable, because they are facing probably the hardest test they've had in international football for a very long time. But I don't think they're going to be afraid of this Argentina side. They Argentina are better in that last game than they have been at any other point in the tournament. But I highly suspect that Australia will be doing everything they can to hit them on the counter, which is what they're the weakest at. And I would not be shocked if the scoreline reads like Argentina nil, Australia won, 84th minute. You know, they've just hunkered down for the whole game and caught them on the break. As for the Netherlands versus USA, Netherlands haven't lost in a pretty long time. Mm -hmm. But also, they are so struggling for goals that the USA will know that if they just do like uh, a back four collapsing midfield, do everything they can to congest the pitch, prevent movement, and then try and catch it on the break with Christian Pulisic or something. They're going to be looking at this thinking there's there's ways through this game. I'm, I wouldn't go as far as saying like they're planning for penalties or anything already, but I feel like they know that you can draw out this Netherlands side because they have no killer instinct whatsoever. You know, mm-hmm. uh, all of their goals that have come so far, they've been basically, I won't go as far as saying, like, snatched. Yeah. But it's very much a case of when a defensive weakness or something has popped up, they, they, they strike. So if a team like USA can do everything they can to make sure Cody Gakpo doesn't get on the ball, for example, I feel like we could see... I feel like we could see upsets. This out of looking at all of the all of the round of sixteen evenings, to me, this is the one that screams upset. On the following day, there will be England, Senegal, France, and Poland. Do you think England and France will can go through without much efforts, or they will actually encounter some trouble? Well, I feel like France will just walk through this Poland side. There's, they've shown basically no resistance to anything. They've been struggling at every phase of the pitch. They basically got through on yellow cards. They, they got through on yellow cards. That shows the level of closeness it was with Mexico. Mm-hmm. As for Senegal, they're, they're growing into it. They're figuring out how to play without Sadio Mane. Um, but England have been so good so far in all of their games, with the exception of the USA, that I, I feel like just the quality of England will be too much for Senegal, man for man. Mm. Then there will came the uh, Brazil and South Korea, which, again, uh, this time I respect South Korea for their efforts, but against Brazil, I don't seem mm. to have a good chance. Also, Morocco, fun to watch against Spain. It's more like, uh, maybe it's not, it will be nothing to seven, but it, it sounds to me very much like Costa Rica versus Spain. I Yeah, I think Brazil is going to be, because you have to remember again, like we were saying, this is now the round of 16, that's going to be a full Brazil Brazil squad. Um, I know that Neymar is still 
50-50, I believe the, the phrasing was, of whether he'll play or not. Mm-hmm. But the thing that we saw when he was absent from that second game is they play better without him. There's more variety in the attack. So I, I even so if he does play, he'll be trying his, his best, playing his heart out. If he doesn't play, there's probably a better chance. But either way, I do think that's the end of the road for South Korea. As for Spain... I, I see what you mean. Mm. However, I feel like Japan have given them a blueprint now True. for Morocco yeah. in the sense of they will pass and pass and pass. And if you do not, if you just follow the ball, they don't have a plan B. That's easier said than done, especially for a team like Morocco, which is designed for like Hakim Ziyech to get on the break. But I feel like this is going to be another game where Spain dominate possession 70%, 80%, and spend massive chunks of the game just passing around on the 30 yards away from goal. And if Morocco have learned, they'll know that they can just leave Spain to do that. And that'll be them for 90 minutes. So I do think Spain will win, but I could see Morocco getting something out of him. That's fair enough. So since you mentioned Japan, and the last time we talked about Croatia, you said Croatia, are not though they knock out Belgium, they don't really, they're not really in much better shape than Belgium. And now they're facing Japan, which already made two miracles so far. Do you think Japan can do that again against Croatia? I, I feel so, because it, it all depends. Because based on what they've done so far, it's like two draws on a win. Mm. And the win against Canada was like, they were fired up, they were playing very much like they were in 2018. But they're all so old that you could see they couldn't keep that up against Belgium, who are also an old side. Based on what this Japan team have done, mm-hmm. I could really see them like just muscling their way through Croatia. Mm-hmm. It, I, I get the feeling that now they're through to the round of 16, like, okay, they are going to take it a lot more seriously. Mm. But they were doing that in the group stage at certain points. And you could see, like I was saying against Belgium, as soon as the bell went, uh, the, the final whistle went, I mean, the amount of just energy that they lost. Like Luka Modric didn't necessarily collapse to his knees, mm. but the way he was breathing, hands on his knees, bending over, struggling for breath, like they look to me like they are basically out of legs. Yeah. And if Japan can boss them around for 45 minutes and then hit them in the second, like they did against Germany and Spain, mm-hmm. I could very easily see them getting something from him. That's true. What about Portugal and Switzerland? I, I feel like Portugal when they play their full full squad, are going to be too much for Switzerland. And I feel like Switzerland are going to just dirty that game up with fouls, with Trash cynical talks. fouls. Yeah. Just, yeah, basically do everything they can. Um, I, I, I wonder what Ronaldo is going to be like in that yeah. game because he's going to be the target. Mm-hmm. And I like to think that it's going to be a case of they are just man for man a better team that you can just have like Rafael Leal and Bruno Fernandes playing around Ronaldo, save him on the pitch for a penalty, something like that. But I feel like that game should be fairly easy for mm-hmm. the Portuguese. Yeah. Based on what we've seen from the tournament so far with all its like storylines either paying off or having like weird dramatic endings, I do have a horrible feeling that the inevitable failure of this Portugal side, be it they get to get to the final and lose, or they end up getting knocked out against a smaller team or something. It'll come down to Ronaldo making a mistake. It could be. Yeah. I feel. I really feel like that's in the air. Mm-hmm. 
And I think so much for today. Thank you for listening. Hopefully, we'll be hearing from you guys very soon tomorrow. See you. Until then, bye bye.